This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. And I was thinking after listening to Modern Family, we might have to have Modern Family number two sometime. Because it, you know, it hits us where we live. But the Lord was really ministering to me about you know, our families and then what about God's family? So we're going to talk about God's family, which is His church. God's got a family, and we're it. And God is into family. Family is important, but many cultures um, still have that where family's close and it's important, but it's changing in the Western society as we all know, where family is kind of evaporating. Uh, it's, not as a, it's as important as it once was. It's more individualism now. It's more the pursuit for the individual, uh, a person's welfare or well-being overrides the well-being of the family, of the group. And that's, that's happening, and we're seeing different things come into our society, into our culture, they are not good. We're hearing things that people do, and we're in almost disbelief that a person could have done this, this crime or this act. You know, we read about someone goes into a school and they just start killing babies, children. And we just can't understand that. Or they go into a mall or go into a theater and just start killing people. We think, how can they do that? What, what is going on in their life that caused them to be that so self, selfish, to be thinking only about themselves and no one else? And I did a little bit of research on this. And, uh, and Martha Stout, she's an instructor in psychiatry. She was at Harvard Medical School for 25 years. She estimates in her, her book, The Sociopath Next Door, that 4% of the population are conscious-less sociopaths. Or, uh, she said, they have no affection or empathy, no feelings for humans or animals. Think about that. That one in 25 people in the U.S. have no conscience about anything. They can do anything and not feel bad about it. I, I saw in the paper just the other day about uh, a boy they found in Fox Meadows that was uh, in a shed chained up. And you think, how? How can you? Uh, there's, it's like a different level of evil. How can this be? How can this happen? One of the things they found out, that these people are disconnected to other people, and most of them don't have family. They're disconnected. They feel rejected. Uh, they feel isolated. They feel like they're by themselves, and it just becomes about them and them alone. Some symptoms, they call it antisocial personality disorder, these are some of the symptoms of it. Number one, failure to conform to social norms. Deceitful. 
uses charm or wit to manipulate, no sense of responsibility. Irritability, however you say it, I'm irritated. (laughs) Aggressiveness, I don't know if that's after coffee or before. Disregard for safety of self or others. Impulsive, failure to plan. Lack of remorse after being hurt, mistreated, or stolen from another person. Emotionally immature, self-centered, poor or abusive relationships. And this is growing. They, they said that it has doubled in the last 15 years. It's a, it's a breakdown of family. It's, it is causing people to act like they have no, no regard for anyone else. But we know the truth that life is sacred. Life is valuable. And every single person on this planet, God has a purpose for them God has made them unique and special, and they have a calling and a gift and a purpose to serve Him. But if they don't know that, they can do some things that we question or we wonder about. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, or verse 3, let me go there. It says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, that is verse 1. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So we have uh, the Apostle Paul telling us uh, about this day that we're in and you can almost put these, this list, you can put a lot of it in this antisocial personality disorder. You can just put in there, brutal. There's not that love that should be and care for other people that should be there. And Paul's telling us that's what's going to happen in the last days. And we need to be prepared for it. We need to know what's going on. We have this big debate, you know, over guns. But so we don't talk about the root of it. The root of it is this, what's going on inside of a person? Why is this happening to them? Because they can find a gun. They can steal a gun. They can get a gun somewhere. I saw a a policeman one time, they interviewed him, and all these people were turning in guns, and he said, all we're doing is disarming the good people (laughs) because uh, the criminals have the guns. They'll get them somewhere, somehow. See, the the gun's not the problem. It's what's inside of man. It's what's inside of us that is the issue. And that's what we need to deal with. That's what we need to understand about the world around us. We have to show them the truth, that there's something different. The answer to this destructive overemphasis on individual gratification is a celebration of family. It's a celebration of family. I believe that God has given us family to help us see others who are different than us, who are maybe have a, a different educational background or 
uh, a different race, a different culture background, yet we're family together, the family of God. And it causes us to have a, a new and real love for other people. God puts family together. Now chances are, there's people in here you may not know if it wasn't for God assembling and putting family together. God is a God of family. It's important to Him. It should be important to us. God chose us to be a part of His family. And when people know that He loves us and He's chosen us to be a part of His family, it changes everything. I heard someone one time, they had been adopted, and they're saying, I just wasn't wanted. My mom got rid of me. But they've been adopted. Get your mind off of what happened then. Think about this. You were chosen. You were selected. You have no choice when someone's born into your family. There's no choice there. But there was a choice. You were selected. But you know, we've been adopted by God. Every one of us have been chosen and selected by God. We're special to God. We're part of His family. Was What good is family? Family will encourage you. Family will love on you. Family will be there for you. Family will challenge you at times. And, and next week we'll look into how that works in the different parts but we need each other. And I used to think I could do, I could make you without anyone, but the older you get, you say you need people. We need people. We need friends. We need relationships. We need the family of God. And as the day approaches to His return, even so much more, we need each other. We need the church. We're to have each other's back, be for each other, pray for each other. Love each other. Do life together. Point others to Jesus. In Matthew 5, verse 16, this is from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, this is Jesus' first sermon. And you find it in chapter 5, 6, and 7. His first sermon. And I want to bring out one point in this. It says, let's take one verse, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's a pretty powerful scripture. It's saying that we can impact others for the Lord by our good works, by doing good things, serving people, loving people. Sometimes just giving a smile will cause people to be encouraged. Smile to your neighbor. Don't you feel better? Get that out of your system. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I saw, I was at Home Depot and I, I really felt for this person. They, they must have had the worst day. And uh, we waited and waited and I guess she just thought I was just going, I don't know what. She goes, sorry sir. Oh, that's okay. It's a good day. What planet did you come from? You're doing a good job. You're doing the best you can do. Well, I sure appreciate that, sir. <laughs> just, just being nice to people. 
There's a thought. We should be nice to people. Man, staggering revelation this morning. But Jesus here, he brings out the Father. He says, Heavenly Father. He says, Our Father, Your Father, My Father. He brings out who God is and reveals Him as Father. Now this is just, this had to be just huge to these Jewish people hearing this, that he's calling God Father. But I want to bring out one thing. He says this 17 times in one sermon. That's a lot of times. He, he brings or he mentions Father. He mentions that term Father. You think, what does 17 mean? Numbers have meaning in that day. Today it doesn't you know, mean the same to us, but back then it did. And we have uh, some spiritual rules of interpretation that we can learn things from numbers because letters had numbers assigned to them. So you can take uh, the numbers assigned to those letters and you can see God speaking or showing us things or to help us understand. The number 17 identified with people selected and chosen to be a part of God's family. So he said this 17 times. He mentions Father, and he's emphasizing that you've been selected and chosen to be a part of God's family. Now it's one thing to have God come to some mountain somewhere and you can't touch that mountain and you're saying, Moses, you go up. <laughs> and then he changes from Jehovah, the Almighty God, and he, he's still that, but to Father. And he wants to be your Father. Wow. Your Father. My Father. He wants to relate to us as Father. Powerful, powerful truth. So the number 17 shows his family begins with a relationship with God or Father. Let me show you something in Romans 8, 35 through 39. And I, I numbered these to help you, help you see this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Number one. Hardship? Number two. Persecution? Three, famine, four, nakedness, five, danger, six, sword, seven. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter, to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, eight, nor life, nine, neither angels, ten, nor demons, 11, neither the present, 12, nor the future, 13, nor any powers, 14, neither height, 15, nor depth, 16, nor anything else in all of creation, 17, will be able to separate us from the love of God as in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
17 things that can't separate you. Why? You've been selected and chosen by God for him to be your father. He's adopted you into his family. You're in the God family. Somebody ask you what family you belong to. I'm the God family. I wouldn't spread that around except to believers. Might freak someone out. What's your family name? God. Hey, Myrtle, call the police. 911, quick. (laughs) No. We have been selected by God. There's nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing. No, not because you burnt the toast and kicked the dog this morning. Or you got in a squabble with your wife on the way. Or you cut someone off (laughs) on the way here. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Aren't you glad? Well, this this number 17 comes from two numbers, 10, which means order and or structure. And it talks about, that's where we get the decimal system. Counting in tens is easier. Uh, it's, but it's associated with order. Then we have the number seven, which is spiritual perfection. That's the number of the Holy Spirit. After seven days, God... The seventh day, God rested seven days in a week. So we have uh, these two numbers, and it's a prime number, meaning you can't divide that number and get two numbers that are equal. What's this mean? It means God's mind. He's so brilliant. It's so complex. He's put details into the Word That's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of truth. I'll give you one more. And after Jesus was resurrected, he was going to Galilee. He tells his disciples to go to Galilee. But if you remember, the disciples were a little confused. And Peter said, hey, I'm going fishing. Anybody remember that? He said, I'm going fishing. It wasn't that he stopped believing in Jesus. He just wasn't sure if he was going to go preach. He was just, I'm going fishing. And six other guys said, I'm going too. So seven went fishing. And it says they're out there and they caught nothing. I thank God that... uh, I got to go with Mr. Mike and Nancy, and their definition of a bad day is not my definition of a bad day. Ellen and Aaron and I got to go, and we caught 12 nice crappie, ate some last night. Very good. And Mike was saying, well, it just wasn't really a good day. That's what people told him. It wasn't a good day. But I've had some bad days where that's a bad day, man. Twelve, hey. <laughs> now, I grant you, the year before we got 38 or something like that. I, I understand comparison, but we had a lot of small ones. We had some action, and it was great company. Had a great time. But these guys have fished all night, nothing. So Jesus is on the shore, and he says, the King James says, you know, uh, children, do you have any meat? And that's a bad translation. 
when you look it up, he actually goes, boys, did you catch anything? That's what he really said. And he said, cast your nets on the other side. They were just a width of the boat away from a lot of fish. They cast it over, and it says they caught 153 fish. And the nets did not break. And Bible scholars for years, they tried to figure out, you know, it, why 153? Now, if they'd rounded, say 150, but why 153? They kept trying to figure out. What's this mean? It's got to mean something. Well, it's that same thing that, that letters have numbers to it. And someone, not me, I read this commentary. Some, someone saw this, that in the Old Testament, that sons of God adds up to 153. So what he was saying have you called any men yet? Have you called any sons of God? Have you done any fishing for me? Are you bringing anyone into my house, to my family? And they caught 153. See, we can't win someone to the Lord except he's in it, with his strength and his help. But notice the nets did not break. You won't lose those. None were lost. It wasn't like the other places where the nets broke. But what about this number 153? Well, they found out that if you take 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4, you go all the way down to 17. Those 17 times, it equals 153. There's a 17 factor in 153. I'm going to stop there because I started reading more and there was factors of 153 in different places in the Bible, all this. But the bottom line is God wants a family. He paid the price for a family. Let me, let me just... Ephesians 3.14... For this reason, I kneel before the Father. And I, I put the, uh, the Greek word there, which I'm not even trying to say, from whom his whole family. And this second word came from the first word. It's really the same word. It's just a little variation off the first. And heaven and earth derives its name. The English word God and family, there's no connection. But when you look at in the Greek, it's a connection. Family, uh, the Greek word for family and father is actually, essentially, the same word. They, are, they go together. Father and family go together. They belong together. Family came out of father. And then I got to thinking, what makes a family? It's because you have the same life source. And that's what we have. We have been made Family, because the Father is in the family. We could say He is a God of family. Thank you, Lord. 
Then you look at creation. You look at the animals, dogs. Ellen likes to watch those dog shows, and they'll, they'll take DNA and trace where they came from stuff. I mean, they're in families. Trees are in families. We have the oak family, the pine family, hardwoods. <laughs> we have families. Everything, all creation is in families. You remember when uh, God said, Abraham, through your family, I will bless all the other families? He could have said, through you individually, I'll bless all individuals. But he said, families. I'll bless them. I'll bless families. You've been called into God's family. And what is his family? It's a local church. It's where God gathers the family to speak to us. He put this together. It is his doing. The local church has something everyone is looking for. It's spirit of fatherhood, or spirit of family. You know there's a spirit of family because it's the spirit of the father because he birthed the church. It came out of him that's in the church. It's family. It's the spirit of family. When you bring your kids to church, they're learning about family and the importance of family. They're learning about people and how important they are. What's a father do? He gives protection, safety, provision, nourishment, encouragement, upholds, strengthens, gives peace. The church, we find God's wisdom. You know, God is speaking to every person in here, but he's speaking a different message to every person in here because we're hearing what he wants us to hear. So he's speaking to us individually, yet collectively at the same time. Church is where we're reminded of God's goodness, His grace, His grace, His mercy, His love for us. We're reminded of those things, that we've been made righteous. Solomon, he asked God for wisdom. He said, I need wisdom to lead your family. And God was so impressed with that, he said, because you didn't ask for money or fame, I'm going to give you those, but I'm going to give you wisdom. He became the wealthiest and the wisest. You remember when the two prostitutes came? They, they had the baby, and the babies were born three days apart. And one mom rolled over on her baby, and the baby was dead, was killed. She takes her baby and replaces it with this other lady who had had a baby just three days difference and exchanges the baby. The other lady gets up to nurse, whatever, and finds out the baby's dead. But then she recognizes, Mama always knows her baby. This is not my baby. And that baby was dead. There was no DNA back then. Goes to Solomon. I mean, now this is a difficult situation. But he gets a sword. And he gets that sword and he says, I'm going to half the baby in two. You can have half and you can have half. And then the real mom says, I want you to notice the total disregard for life that this other one had. Said, yes, kill this baby, even though she had stolen this baby. And she says, no, 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 it's, it's okay. She can have the baby. She can have the baby. And Solomon said, that's the mom. That's the mom. Give her the baby. It doesn't matter what you're facing. There's wisdom for a situation. It seems impossible. Looks like there's no way out. 
There's wisdom. You might be saying, well, I like family, but my family's messed up. Well, that's okay. Stick with Jesus and He can unmask your family and bless your family. It can take some time. Just stick with Him and let Him put that family together. End with this. Psalms 92, 12, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. One translation says they'll be fat and green. Incredible Hulk. <laughs> planted. Not a casual relationship, but planted. Rooted in, you'll flourish. Why? God's into family. He's the Father. And He wants you planted in where you can be blessed. Where you can be a part of what God is doing in the earth. I'm going to stop there. This is just the introduction. We'll get into it. Let's bow our heads quick. There's anyone here that's never called upon Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life. This is an opportunity for you. He's Father, and He wants you to be His child. He wants you to come into His family, and you don't have to do anything but just trust Him and say, I want you, Lord. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the price for your sins, and that He was raised from the dead. You believe on Him. Surrender your life to Him. The Bible says you'll be saved. You'll belong to Him. You start a new life. He changes you on the inside. And a new adventure starts. No one looking around. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come down. If there's anyone else that you prayed this prayer before, but you know you're not connected with God. You're not connected the way you need to be the way you once were, and you need to get back. You can lift your hand and, and be a part of this prayer also. So lift, yes, say that. I want you to lift your hand if that's you, and we're going to pray together. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Thank you, Lord, for these coming to you. Let's just pray together. There's another one. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Let's all say this together. I see that hand. Another moment. Is there anyone else? I want to give everyone an opportunity to get in on this prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray together. Say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus. I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I believe He died for me on the cross. He took my sin. He took my place. Now I get peace with Father. Adoption into the family of God. Thank you for saving me, Lord. 
I'll follow you all the days of my life. Strengthen me. Fill me with your spirit that I can walk and live this life in a pleasing way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord thanks for these that came. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.